0: Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson Hoj, här kommer Carlson Carlson, Carlson, Carlson. Ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson, vill jag så bra som mig Carlson, Carlson scores! Yes. Yes. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Keeping Girls in Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys, one of whom is in a matchup with Lewis currently projected to be within one point. And so I'm just kind of excited after we're done recording, Brian, to watch The Last of Us so that I don't have to be obsessively refreshing my phone. That's my intro. I'm your host, Elon Dabrowski, and with me to go over all of the NHL teams ranked by how they're doing this season and finding some interesting fantasy takes for all of them, it's my co-host, the Fantasy Hockey Robot, the Poopah Progressification, the IVP MVP himself, my very good friend and yours, Brian Kahn. Brian, how's it going? Hey, Elon.
1: It's going pretty good. Uh, I have to be honest, I was choosing not to check my matchup today. I'm so disappointed. I was up... This is uh, the second, maybe third time this year that I've had a 50-point lead in the cupful going into Friday, and then it's gone, poof, by Sunday. And with the same number of games played anyway, so this week was shaping up to be the same thing. However, I have just logged in for the first time today against my better judgment, and I see Kirby Doc. He has a goal tonight. I I Oh, yeah. Yeah, I added him last night and then you showed me the lines at practice or the line rushes from Montreal tonight and he was going to be off the top line. and I was furious about it because I like I ran to get him because I thought maybe he was the last good stream available to me. Uh, so I am now 5.2 points behind with a period left of Kirby Doc, a period left of Luke Shen and three periods of Clayton Keller.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah. What about your opponent? Your opponent has nobody? Nothing. Oh, you got this. It's easy. What you need? You need an assist and some paris. Oh, nothing. Nothing comes easy for me this season, Elon. But I'm happy to be
1: here and share. Well, we have all We're gonna. This is gonna be a classic 32 team episode. I'm really excited to give a take on the Canadians and the Coyotes, both of which impact, hopefully, my fancy fortunes, but not in the way I'm going to share later in the show. But Elon, I'm excited. where, Where? When can we start?
0: I'm ready. As soon as you're done talking, we can start. So yeah, um, uh, you know, maybe some of the teams I'll just like skip over, but we're pretty much gonna have a take on every team. And yeah, this is uh, gonna be a fun show. Uh, I've done a lot of research. I think we're good. I also did a lot of research for this um, matchup maximizer podcast. I recorded my second ever version of yesterday. So hopefully people enjoyed that. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, I tried to give some advice on people to add today. Uh, I didn't mention Kirby Doc. I think I mentioned him and then I said like I would go for someone else. So maybe that was bad advice. Kirby Doc off the top line, but he is on the top power play and that's where he scored that goal from. Uh, then also I looked into the schedules for next week and tried to give some advice on some of the best players to stream. Uh, also, there were some amazing episodes of Short Shifts last week from Lewis and Jeremy. I think there's a lot of takes in there that hold up. Like I know some people might think like once you've, you know, gone a couple days since the episode, there's no point even listening to it. But I don't know. I, I'd say Jeremy and Lewis have some uh, really interesting ideas about some players. and uh, great job. By the way, so uh, and Jeremy Versillo, brand new to the pond, fitting in like he's been here forever. So, uh, great job, Jeremy. Great job, Lewis. Great job, me on the matchup maximizer. And, Brian, let's try to do a good job tonight. Uh, obviously, one thing that's going to help us do a great job is the fact that we are frequent visitors of dobberhockey.com who are presenting this podcast. Great articles. I love the tools over at Frozen Tools, it's the best. So, check it out, DauberHockey.com. But, okay, Brian, we're going to go down the list one by one, starting with the top ranked team as of Sunday morning. January 15th, the Boston Bruins. They have 70 points. Second place has 61 points. So Boston is running away with the President's Trophy this season. There's not really that much to talk about fantasy-wise because lately they've been running Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand on the top line, which kind of makes everyone else useless. Like, not completely useless, of course, uh, but... You know, obviously there's the defenseman and McAvoy, whatever, you know, as far as the forwards go, you know, it was always nice when you could have a Krejci playing with Pasternak or like a Pavel Zak on your deep leagues, you're streaming in Taylor Hall. Hall's on the top power play lately. We talk about Hall every week. He's either hot or he's doing nothing. Um, you know, in net it's actually getting pretty interesting though. Like Allmark. Having a Vezna caliber season if it wasn't for a guy over on the Islanders. Uh, but it, lately, like Jeremy Swayman's also been really good. Like Boston's just a good team to p- play goalie on. Like we saw from Halak and Rask all throughout the years. I'm sure they're very good goalies, but also I don't think it helped to just be on Boston. And lately, Swayman's also been playing a lot of games. I wonder, like, do you think we're just looking at like a 50 50 for the rest of the way? Like it seemed for a while that Allmark was the clear starter, but I wonder if the Bruins will just keep all, like, they're clearly going to make the playoffs at so the top team in the league. Maybe you keep Allmark fresh. Swayman's clearly good, and then you save Allmark for a long playoff run
1: yeah well this is a very happy problem for the Boston Bruins to have two goalies who've both been great Jeremy Swayman in the last month he's been as good as Linus Allmark and and both have been terrific they've been both really really good performances that we would uh, expect to see from the best goalies in the league which is not to say that Swayman and Allmark had the best goalies in the league but they sure are acting like it and Jeremy Swayman this is a bit of a turn of events for him too he started the season very disappointing completely I mean Allmark played amazing from the start of the season but Swayman totally yielded the net with his early play he was just a an 887 save percentage through his first 10 games now Swayman's put up a 926 over his last six games and not just that he's kept opponents to two or fewer goals in five of those last six games so Jeremy Swayman putting his name back in the hat for regular starts in Boston which you know 50% starts for Swayman and Allmark isn't great news for anybody hoping for value but in the right format that's still really valuable you've got a really good chance at a win if they're putting up great rate stats too that's helping you sure you might not get a whole lot of saves or a whole lot of wins if you just have one of the two but if you just want someone you can toss in your net for just to hit minimum starts if that's if that's your goal not to go for volume but to go for rates then Jeremy Swayman is back in that conversation
0: yeah, and Linus Allmark, you may be disappointed if you have him and you're like worried that he's not going to play as much. Yeah, he won't be as amazing maybe in the second half. But I mean, the dude is averaging over seven couple points per game. So in the Keeping Carlson also Patriot Fantasy League, even if he only plays now twice a week. That's still like over 10 points, which is better than a streamer. So I don't know if that, I don't know if that's good news or bad news, uh, but yeah, he's been amazing, but yeah, it seems like, uh, you know, Swayman is going to get some starts. Okay. Let's go to the second ranked team, the Carolina Hurricanes who are currently playing against Vancouver and they're tied 2 two. So in the third, so we'll see if they're able to pull off the win here to try to keep pace with the Bruins, at least somewhat. Uh, the big news, obviously in Carolina is that Frederick Anderson has returned from his injury and he's had two really great games so far versus Columbus and Pittsburgh. Uh, now, Kochakov is playing today because it's a back-to-back. And Kochakov you know, doing okay. He's letting uh, two goals on 21 shots against the Canucks. Uh, moving forward, I think it's pretty clear that Anderson is the starting goalie on this team. I wonder if they're going to do a three-headed monster or if they're going to, like, send Kochakov down at some point. It seems to me like it would make sense to send Kochakov down because Anderson is clearly... You know, like I understand why they left him up just to make sure that Anderson is like 100% and ready to go. But, you know, he let in two goals against Columbus, stopping 23. And then he let in one goal against Pittsburgh in a big win, stopping a 34. So Anderson is right back to where he should be. So I think any other Carolina goal you could just forget about, right?
1: Well, you, uh, I don't know if you can totally forget about every Car- Carolina. is tricky because they like we never found out. Remember when Kachakov wasn't even playing? We never found out why. And uh I, I feel they like said it they had
0: a tweak at some point and then that tweak right. just lasted for like Three weeks and he was backing up. <laughs> with yeah.
1: Right. So he was still dressing for whatever reason, and we got no details. He, everything seemed to be fine, except he wasn't starting, and Auntie Ranta was as well. So I, I just feel like with Carolina always being cagey about their goalies, it's hard to really know what we can expect. Like Freddie Anderson, last season, he played 52 games for Carolina. In his career, he's been a volume starter a couple times, but really, he stopped being a volume starter because of injury trouble. And we've also seen Carolina be more than happy to try and alternate their goalies. Remember, Elon, we had uh, Freddie Anderson, or it was, sorry, before Anderson, it was Petr morazek who was always sharing the net with someone, but maybe that was because he also wasn't playing very well. But Freddie Anderson has looked really good so far. Good for him. Uh, he's on a great team. He's playing great. You can't ask for much more. Meanwhile, Kochetkov, uh, I'm not going to guess what the, the Canes are going to do with him. But in, before tonight, you know, he hadn't played for a, a couple games, which is the longest stretch in a little, well, I guess I just talked about that really long stretch where he didn't. But going into those game, uh, tonight's game, Kachakov had had three straight starts where his save percentage was just steadily going down. 867, 833, and 818 over his last three before tonight's game against Vancouver. And Elon, I think Antti Ranta is still in the mix, too, because he's played pretty well also. And interestingly, Anderson isn't even dressed today, right? Kachakov is starting, Ranta's dressed on the bench. And I think if you're if you're looking for Freddie Anderson, happy to see him, but volume is still the concern for him going forward. I mean, I think he's got a better chance of seeing more starts than Jeremy Swayman a pretty good chance of seeing more starts than Linus Allmark if Swayman still proves that he can handle 50% of the starts. So I think it's still like him against those Boston, uh, like if I'm choosing between him and one of those Boston guys, but I think it might be closer than you're assuming if you think that Freddie Anderson is just going to go in and be the volume guy now.
0: Yeah, well, I think if you have Anderson, whatever, you're obviously holding him. I think the real takeaway is, like, you could drop Kachikov, drop Ronta if you had him. Like, at this point, there's no reason to have them in any fantasy league. Uh, Kachikov has been dropped in, like, all of my leagues. When he was, like, you know, gold um, a month ago, he was, like, one of the top goalies to roster. Uh, but things changed quickly. Uh, things also change quickly for Max Pacioretty, who finally came back, had those few good games, now he's injured again. Apparently it's a different injury than before, but I don't know if we've had any updates. Hopefully this is a minor thing. Uh but very frustrating for anyone who waited all this time for Max Paccheretti. So best of luck to him. Uh in the meantime, if you look at the lines for this game today for the Hurricanes, which is still ongoing, they've been going with Aho, Teravinen and Seth Jarvis and then with Sveshnikov and Paul Stastny who scored a goal today, uh leaving I guess some other whatever and then uh, a few other lines. Uh, and the power plays have been really interesting. So. So Tara Vinan, Aho, and Jarvis have been playing on a power play with Brady Shea and Brett Pesci as the defensemen. And then Brent Burns is the quarterback for a unit with Nason, Nachas, Kakaniemi, and Sveshnikov. So it's kind of hard. Like, on one hand, I want to be like, okay, well, Burns is quarterback in the top power play, clearly. But also, it's like, Aho must be on the top power play. So it's like kind of bending my brain a little bit. Like, does this make Brady Shea and Brett Pesci top power play defensemen? Because both of them are like very interesting because they're both on hot streaks right now. They're both doing really well. And if they're now players, who, even if it was only 50% of the power play, I'd be. we've already talked about Brady Shea, SKJEI every single episode. So maybe we could just like, you know, refer back to previous episodes for any talk about him. I haven't changed my mind. Uh, Brett Pesci, on the other hand, six points in six games going into today, obviously getting all this power play time makes a difference and he's starting to shoot a little bit. Uh, he's just like been a steady guy like forever, not really for fantasy, but just like a, a real life guy and it looks like the Canes are maybe leading on him a little more. Or maybe he's just hot. Like, is this Brett Pesci thing for real at all, Brian? Do you think he's going to go back to being the Brett Pesci that we've seen for the past like six seasons, like any day now?
1: I mean, we've seen what Brady Shea has been doing and it's really hard for me to write off anybody but this is like normally really all these Carolina guys, Shea Pesci is even, I think, less offensively inclined, and I was also going to throw Jacob Slavin hasn't had his customary hot streak or two this year yet, so maybe that's coming as well. But this happens in Carolina; they're a good team. Defensemen can get in on points. One interesting thing about Pesci, and you you already hinted at it, Elon, is that he is suddenly shooting like this is a guy who has seventy eight shots all season, but he got thirteen of those in two games over the last ten days. Uh, Like two particular games where he took 13 shots combined, a seven shot and a six shot game. Those two games out of the 44 he's played have accounted for almost 20% of his total shooting output this season. So I don't know how to explain it when that sort of thing (laughs) happens when all of a sudden they're like, okay, uh, Brett Pesci, you have not shot the puck all year, take seven shots tonight you got it, coach. Uh, he did happily score on two goal on two of those shots that he took in the six-shot game against Columbus earlier this week. Uh, but if you're looking for sustainable, reliable production, I would look away from Brett Pesci. However, he is on Carolina, as is Brady Shea. And even though I might say Brady Shea is closer to being an offensively oriented defenseman, I'm at least looking at any Hurricanes defenseman that is putting up points on a you know, on a decent basis. There's a couple coming down the pipe though on our episode list that I would prefer over him.
0: Okay, so we'll get to them and uh, we'll wait for you to point them out. Maybe I'll try to guess when you say it'll be like PB Herman and I'm trying to guess if you've said the secret word. Um, I guess Carolina, I should point out, only plays Thursday, Saturday next week. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I'm interested in getting a power play guy playing with Aho, maybe you could wait till Thursday morning and then get Pesci or Shea if they're still just sitting in your free agency. Also, like these are both players who their names don't sound like how they're spelled, which is kind of just a fun, fun fact about these. Uh, her oh, yeah. of should, we sp- Brett- should we spell Pesci? P-E-S-C-E. There you go. Like the French, isn't that how you say fish in French?
1: Uh, It's spelled differently though. Oh, okay. (laughs) And it's like, that's fishing, the act
0: of fishing. I see. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm glad I have you here. Uh, Kevin A. Barrick, a couple coordinator, probably could have also corrected me on that one. Uh, one defenseman who's very easy to spell, and you know exactly who, how to spell the name when I say it, is Brent Burns. But Brent Burns has not been getting points like Shea and Pesce recently. <laughs> What's going on with Brent Burns? No points today so far. So he's currently got only one point in his last six games, I'm seeing now. Like, he started the season really strong. Like He was looking like, wow, if you drafted him, you know all the hype about him going to Carolina was real and even though he's old like doesn't matter he's vintage brent burns is back and now all of a sudden he's just totally disappeared is this something to be worried about or is this just like a standard like cold streak that like just awesome buy low opportunity if you could find someone who's worried
1: i think this is very much the latter for brent burns we're just looking at five games here and burns was on a 60 point pace before this cold stretch where he has just a goal and no assists, but Burns has 19 shots in these five cold games so he's still very involved he's still firing away and hey if Burns's value has dropped at all in your league this is a really good time to buy low from anyone panicking thinking maybe oh he's old he's hit a wall i know in one cupful division that's the keeping carlson ultimate pa- patron fancy league kkupfl.com for more info you uh, i or i saw in one of our tier eight divisions that brent Burns was traded for clayton keller and I have Keller, and I need D. So I approached the Burns owner in my division. Uh, he said no; he would, he he didn't want to trade Brent Burns. And uh, the, actually, our counter offer rule came into effect because somebody beat the offer of Clayton Keller for Brent Burns in that Tier Eight division and offered Carter Verhage instead. And the manager who has Brent Burns accepted that. And I agree. I would take Verhage over Keller. I still don't know if i trade Burns for Verhage. Yeah, I guess it would depend on my D situation. But this is all to say, I still want Brent Burns.
0: Yeah, I think that the person getting Burns for Verhage probably won that deal. But well, will have to see. It is a little bit concerning that Burns is potentially not even on the top power play anymore. But I think that's probably going to change well, at there, some point.
1: There's just no top power play. Honestly, these power plays in Carolina seem distributed. Like I distribute my like gym groups like at, at, in my in my class you know like you take okay you take the two best kids you put them in opposite teams then like <laughs> right. you take the next best kid in team a the next best kid in team a, and you just keep doing that all the way through until you've got your two full units honestly that's what it feels like carolina has done
0: do you think that it was just burns and aho the coach put them both on either side and said draft your teams and they just like did picks back and forth that their favorite players that they so want to much have there? fun i hope so <laughs> Okay, let's go next to the New Jersey Devils, the uh, third-ranked team here in the league with 59 points, type of Toronto. Uh, Everyone is hot on New Jersey. Like I'm not going to waste you, dear listener. I'm not going to waste your time talking about you know, Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Dougie Hamilton, Nico share they have been great all year. They continue to be great. No surprises there. Uh, there are a couple players with a uh, lesser deployment that are producing lately, like a uh, line three, Dawson Mercer, power play two, eight points in his last seven games. He does this, but usually when Mercer is hot, it's because he's playing with you know Hughes or he Heisher or something. But now he's even doing it from the bottom six. Very interesting. Plus, you know, the nice thing about streaming in a uh, Dawson Mercer is there's always that chance that he gets to you know get bumped up the lineup to a higher line though. Maybe the fact that he's producing where he is means and the fact that New Jersey keeps winning means that there's no reason for them to change him also uh the second power play quarterback Damon Severson who was so great at the end of last year he's all of a sudden on a run after doing nothing all season long seven points in his last six games and then I'll even also throw out there a guy who doesn't get any power play time but Ryan Graves has points in four straight along with some nice hits and blocks for anyone who needs defensemen uh Brian Mercer Severson Graves are any of these players who are not getting the best deployment but are producing jumping out at you as maybe somewhat for real and worth actually adding to your team as a potential hold or do you think all of these guys are going to cool down again.
1: Dawson Mercer doing his best Taylor Hall impression of producing from the third line and second power play also not shooting at all. Two assists in his last two for Dawson Mercer, but zero shots in each of those games. So that's that's annoying and he's not a really fun guy to roster even when he is on that top line. So like you go ahead, stream him in if he fits in your lineup which this week's a very busy schedule. If you listen to Matchup Maximizer, you know all the ins and outs of it. But he's he's stream worthy. I'd say for Dawson Mercer, but I'm not rushing out. Damon Severson. Uh, I'm already. That's a ding, ding, ding for someone who I would appreciate over Brett Pesci and who I looked at actually on oh, Friday. I didn't even guess. <laughs> I blew it. <laughs> Sorry, you had your chance. Uh, I looked at Severson and Graves, and I I have the receipts. I DM'd you about them going into the Friday Saturday back to back for New Jersey. I'm like ah, you know, they're just kind of spotty. They don't do a whole lot, and boom. like That could have been the difference in my matchup. I added uh, Dustin Tokarski instead, who did well, but not as well as either Severson or Graves. Severson, now that he has seven points in six games, that's brought him all the way up to A 25 point pace. Can you believe that? Elon, how can you go on a seven point and six game run and just be there while you can get there by having just six points through your first 36 games of the season? In fact, that all culminated in a healthy scratch a month ago for Damon Severson against Florida after his time on ice was steadily being chipped away at by the coach he wasn't even seeing 18 minutes a night compared to seeing 23 minutes a night on average last year maybe a little more since returning from that scratch though about a month ago steverson has been back in very high usage playing 25 minutes a night had six scoreless nights coming back from the scratch but now is on this streak uh where i, I think there's potential for him to do better than he has so far like he's only got two power play points from the second unit so far i think steverson could probably have a couple more than that he is a tough guy to roster because he's not many contributions across the sheet for severson but he is on the ice for a very dangerous new jersey team and has had a strangely low points participation rate so far so i'd say there's a decent chance that severson has a 40 to 45 ish point pace second half in him so maybe someone you just want to add to your watch list or even to your roster if you're screaming for a defenseman uh until we're sure this run is over and then you can drop him again but in the meantime I'd be happy to have nabbed Severson. And Graves isn't much different uh, than Severson. Uh, he doesn't see quite as many high offense opportunities as Severson, but still in a pretty good spot. He also does a little more in the peripheral categories than Severson, so you can kind of choose your flavor uh, between Graves and Severson. But I think both are worth a look in a deep enough league. Like in the cup where there's 14 teams and four D spots, I looked at them both to fill out, well, my my woefully unequipped defensive core this week.
0: Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, New Jersey plays San Jose to start next week, so that's a good opportunity for all of New Jersey to be scoring some goals and getting some points. That's a pretty tasty matchup there. I'll also mention quickly, uh, Vitek Vanacek is hot again, which is really great for the Devils, and that probably is a good reason why they're going on this uh, hot run once again. It's still kind of wild, the fact that they were able to get him. Like, for like, the Devils were, had all these goalie problems, then Washington was just like, and I guess, Brian, you you probably agreed with it, because you were never very high on Vitek Vanacek. I remember when he was on Washington. Uh, good for him, right? All of a sudden, he He's proving to be a starting goalie on one of the top teams in the league, like likely going to go on a fun playoff run here for the Devils. And uh, they got him for free. He's not going to be the only goalie we're going to talk about this episode where a team just like kind of got him for free. So uh, or no, wait, I was thinking of Bucinevich, who We're going to talk about it's not a goalie. But yeah, some t- sometimes teams just get players and you got to just, uh, you know, is it more credit to the Devils management or is it more just like we have to say that the Caps management was very bad? though I, I guess they they're pretty happy with Kemper so.
1: well I think teams are just still struggling to evaluate goalies you gave Vanacek a full season to win the job he didn't and remember Seattle had Vanacek at one point too I'm sure they'd they'd appreciate him maybe we'll talk about the Seattle goaltending situation in a little bit too but Vanicek, they're happy
0: now yeah, <laughs> like well, I mean Martin Jones insane we'll yeah, get to him. Okay. we'll talk uh, soon actually surprisingly <laughs> soon because <laughs> uh, Seattle's one of the top teams in the league now
1: yeah so quickly the Vanacek the one that got away for Seattle and Washington remember he Was flagging not that long ago, Elon. We were like, oh, and Blackwood's coming, coming back. So this could be a moment where Vandichek is losing his value. He has turned it on since then. He has uh, been playing out of his mind, way above his expected save percentage, which is 936 at five on five. He's been putting up a 955 Fenwick save percentage, which includes all shots that are taken but miss the net. So that's a a really, really impressive showing for Vandichek over the last month. And he has been way more consistent than I could have imagined him to be. Elon I remember earlier in the year, we were, like, there was a moment in my cupful division where Vanacek was dropped and Blackwood was injured. And it's like, okay. And, like, I think I even wrote, this is a league-winning move. Like, this is a move of someone who's going to win the league makes, but I can't make it right now. And I had, like, some stupid reason. Man, did I wish I made that move.
0: Ah. Ugh. Uh- yeah, I think we have lots of good ideas, Brian. Maybe we don't always execute on them, but at least we, we share them with the listeners so they can execute on them. Uh, now it's obviously too late. <laughs> Vanek's probably rostered in all your leagues. Uh, let's go to the Toronto Maple Leafs now, also 59 points so far in the season. Big news there is Austin Matthews is back. That's great. He scored a goal yesterday. I wish I picked him in the Tim Hortons. I had six days in a row. All I needed was to predict a goal yesterday, and I would have gotten to seven, gotten a free week of coffee, but I picked stupid Connor McDavid. Instead of Austin Matthews. And now look at me. No coffee today. I had to pay for coffee at another establishment that I like much better. Oh, how but embarrassing. I, so maybe, maybe I ended up w- winning after, you know, after
1: all. <laughs> you know, when you paid for your coffee, they knew why. They knew because you lost the free coffee. They thought this guy doesn't know who's going to score goals every night.
0: Yeah. Why would you pick McDavid? He never scores. Uh, I guess the big news out of Toronto really is they've been sticking with this five forward power play. Like the t- the first goal of this game, which they ended up losing to Boston, was a power play goal scored by Michael Bunting, assisted by Tavares and Marner. Uh, Morgan Riley was not on the ice for this goal. Morgan Riley also is cold right now, pointless in four games. I would be really pissed and annoyed and hey we've said that before about some other you know like we were nervous about Victor Hedman earlier in the season and anyone who held on to him or bought low did really well so I'm curious to know Brian like to me I kind of feel like if I had Morgan Riley I'd just be try to sell for whatever I could get for him from someone who thinks that he's going to get back on track to how he was doing before but maybe you're going to say like now's a good buy low opportunity but I don't know it seems like Toronto's pretty happy with this power play setup
1: Yeah, it's a tough setup because we have Hedman to compare to who it was a very painful stretch but Hedman is back where he was before and then mcavoy had a not so painful stretch where it was never really in doubt in the end where he was losing power play time to lindholm and now we have morgan riley who i think i've seen that he's practicing on the top power play so maybe maybe they're working on it but unfortunately he hasn't turned up there yet in a game situation so uh ilana you know i honestly i don't know if this is a sell high or a buy low situation. Like I have no I had no way to predict exactly what Toronto is going to do with their power play. My hunch is that they go back to having Riley on it at some point, but I agree that this is a a big hit to his value and maybe you do. If you've got Riley, maybe you shop him around and see if you have anyone who really believes that he's going to come back and see what kind of return you can get for him. And I would yeah. I would be afraid to buy low. I I don't think I'd be going to buy low. I think I'd rather try and sell high if I had to pick one of those two strategies to apply to Riley's situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tweeted us at Keeping Carlson. If you have Morgan Riley, then you get some trade offers. I'd be interested. To, I'd be interested to know like what return you could get for him at this point. Maybe it's like you're selling him like his lowest possible value, but I mean, it could go lower the longer that he goes pointless. Right. So, okay. Next up, we got Vegas. So I'm actually surprised Vegas is ranked so high. I kind of thought that they were having a bit of a disappointing season, but I guess not. They have 58 points. They're doing okay. Obviously, it's not going to help now that Mark Stone is injured and he's weak to weak. So that really stinks. Also stinks for me because I have like a cup Cupful team, which is not, you know, bursting from the seams with superstars. And Mark Stone was having a pretty solid season. Uh, So I guess good news potentially for Michael Amadio, who's now back on that top line, playing with Eichel and Chandler Stevenson. So that's good. Though Chandler Stevenson all of a sudden is not the Chandler Stevenson that we've grown to uh, fall in love with this year. These past three games, no points and no shots. He's just done nothing. A couple, like some hits and blocks, maybe to give you a little you know, taste, but uh, nothing to write home about compared to what he was doing before. He's now down to 40 points in 44 games on the year. So basically he was a point per game guy. And now this three game stretch, I wonder how badly the Mark stone injury is affecting Stevenson. Or do you think it's unrelated and just like a random cold streak that like anyone who drops him would be a real dumb, dumb.
1: I mean the cold streak, I, I guess it, we, it sort of overlaps with stone being in and out of the lineup. And it seems even with uh, like Eichel's return, Vegas hasn't found equilibrium yet since he's come back. And now that Stone's out, that kind of throws things for a loop again. So all this to say, I think Chandler Stevenson is still a really good piece alongside Eichel and Stone he's proven himself to have been a good piece even just alongside Stone and Amadio or Cotter or whoever so I'm willing to write this off so far as just a bit of a slump that Stevenson can get out of but I would like to see some stability in those line combos that Vegas keeps spitting out to see that Stevenson has a place to succeed and then for him to actually succeed there
0: by the way, uh, Carolina and Vancouver is going to overtime now. And Slavin, who just brought up Ryan, to assist today. So maybe this is the start of Slavin's There it
1: uh, is. Called it. <laughs>
0: uh okay but yeah i'm probably with you that stevenson maybe will get going again but really frustrating when your players aren't even shooting uh, alex petrangelo is also cold by the way but like come on unless you have something interesting to say i'm going to assume that you're going to say that he'll be fine and like don't be fooled into thinking that there's something like now completely wrong with petrangelo sounds like you're saying that just vegas needs to kind of figure some things out i'm not great that stone is injured but i, I wouldn't be too too worried about petrangelo what do you think
1: not too, too worried, but it's pretty crazy that uh, Patrangelo, even with this cold streak, is still pacing for 66 points this year. This is after having been pretty cold for a little bit now. He's also gone 17 games. Without a power play point, this is Alex Petrangelo, power play one quarterback, 17 games, no power play points. Uh, One thing helping him make up for that is that he is participating on more goals than he probably should. 56% of five-on-five goals scored he's getting a point on versus his usual 35% or so. You know, I think, you know, you you could say he's cold now, or you could – it's also – I mean, this is not the pace that we'd expect to see from Petrangelo the rest of the way. So I'm not saying he's he's simply regressing because this is colder than he should regress to. But I think Elon and you you might be all over me for this, but I'd say Petrangelo might just be a fifty-point pace player the rest of the season. I think that's a reasonable way to wash out some of the favorable variants he's gotten, but still if he figures things out on the power play, that, that number could go up. It could go up to 55 or 60 for sure. But I wonder, was Shea Theodore still not back and still not much sign of him returning? But I assume he's getting closer. If Petrangelo still is not pointing on the power play, I wonder if Theodore comes back. Although I, I checked the Vegas Golden Knights uh, power play success lately they've been a, a little dry lately too in their last 14 uh, is all they've converted on but before that they were doing all right so i don't think they're eager to switch up their power play situation but this could open the door so elon this is all to say I might try and sell high on Alex Petrangelo, actually. It's hard when he's in a cold snap. Yeah, you
0: can't, you can't yeah. sell high on someone that I brought up as someone who's super cold. <laughs> but, if,
1: but if he picks it up for another couple games, and then you see that he's still holding on to the 66-point pace, I think he's been overperforming to this point. So I think there's a—I a, don't know, Elon. Would you trade Alex Petrangelo for Morgan Riley?
0: I would take Petrangelo for sure. Hmm. Easy. He's on the top power play. Riley's not. Petrangelo shoots a bunch. He blocks a bunch. Yeah. He hits. He's everything. Petrangelo's awesome. I I guess I'll respectfully disagree. i think like, anything I'm not I see saying a player you do it. I'm just, po- just yeah. asking the question. No, I mean, I, I'm going to respectfully disagree on your, like, saying that Petrangelo is going to become, like, a 50-point guy also. Like, I just think that when I look at someone who's, like, taking all these shots and just doesn't have any goals, to me, that almost like, you know, whatever. He's cold because... He's having some bad shooting luck, right? Like, even his rebounds aren't going to but someone his But the bad shooting
1: like, luck for a defenseman, like, they're supposed to score on only 5% of their shots. So if he takes sure. 100 shots because he's shooting a lot, that's that's five goals, and it still takes a while to get 100 shots.
0: Yeah, but, uh, like, you know, there's a rebound, and then someone scores on the rebound, and then you get an assist. or I, I don't know. I would just expect that he'll get more points. But, okay, maybe I'm sure we're pretty close on him. I'm not saying I think he's, like, a 100-point guy or anything. You're saying uh, 60.
1: I'm saying closer
0: to 50. I think so. Okay. But we'll see. Uh, As long as he holds the top power play, of course. Uh, Okay, let's go to Winnipeg now. 57 points going into today. The Jets are currently playing uh, the Coyotes. No score yet in the first. I don't really have anything to say about Winnipeg that we didn't say. Last week, you know, we talked about Ehlers coming back and Wheeler and Perfetti. Uh, I'll just say that Nikolai Ehlers is, is very, very good. Maybe even better than I expect him to be. And I expected him to be good. But, you know, he's just getting almost like a goal almost every game or like a couple assists in the game against Buffalo when he didn't score a goal. He's just uh, a powerhouse. Now that he's a top power play guy, would it be crazy to say that I think Nick Ehlers could be like a hundred point player? Like, I, I don't think he's far off.
1: No, not crazy at all. He's not far off. Nick Ehlers is actually, he's pacing for 130 points right now. I I think it's probably looking high. But with power play one deployment, I definitely think 100 points is in sight for Nick Ehlers, especially if he continues to participate on 113% of the goals that he's on the ice for. So he's been on the ice for eight goals at five on five, but he has nine points at five on five, which means he probably touched the puck got off the ice and then winnipeg scored and he got a point on it it's always uh-huh. fun like these are like funny early season numbers that we usually don't see at this point but since ehlers has played what seven games and we see that one exciting thing about ehlers too with more ice time like on the top power play his shot attempt rates are way up there with the highest in the league uh so ehlers looks great it's nice to have him back and congrats to anybody still in the mix who's had ehlers on their irs i was like oh Oh, now Ehlers is back. Now you're now you're in real good shape. So if you've survived this long and have been contending without Ehlers, you're very lucky. So wel- welcome back, Nick Ehlers. We're all happy to have you.
0: Yeah, you're very lucky slash very skilled. To have built such a good team.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean I just, you're fortunate. We're all, we're all, yeah. Sure. I didn't mean to take anything away. I was actually trying to compliment the people and
0: then. Yeah, it's interesting. The word lucky and fortunate are kind of synonyms, but I guess not because they have different kind of vibes associated with them. Kind of like saying you're jealous versus envious. I feel like it's very similar, but like, I don't know. Anyway, let's go to the next team here. Dallas, 57 points. Also, same as Winnipeg. Uh, so, Rupe hints still day-to-day. I don't know when he'll be back. Doesn't seem like it's like a super serious thing. In the meantime, we mentioned last week when he was first got heard that Sagan was taking a spot on the top line in top power play. Sagan was super cold. Now he got this bump in deployment, and now he is very hot. So, this is kind of classic fantasy hockey strategy here. You probably just take the player who is going to be playing on the top line with superstars like Jason Robertson and Joe Pavelski, who, by the way, Joe Pavelski, three points on Saturday. He's just been extended for his age 39 season. Like a very nice discount deal for Dallas, like 3.5 million for a guy who's a point per game. So good for them. Good for him. I guess everyone's happy. And Tyler Sagan. I mean, if you have him, that's great. Definitely, once Ropa Hintz comes back, I expect him to, you know, get cold again or at least not anything close to, you know, almost a or over a point per game like he has over his past three. So I don't really know if there's any advice here. Obviously, if you could sell Tyler Sagan and be like, oh, look, superstar Tyler Sagan is back from, like, 2015, then then sure, but obviously no one's going to believe that.
1: No, and so I think you exactly. You just ride it out with Tyler Sagan and say, thanks for the points, and then when he cools down again to that, I don't know, 55-ish point pace is what I'd really expect from him the rest of the way. But I would happily hold on to him until Ropey Hintz is back. And Joe Pavelski, yeah, ho-hum. Another point for game pace season at age 38 for Pavelski, who I have given up on giving up on. Pavelski looks fantastic. Uh, You know, he's had a little decline. Uh, a few years back but has basically been holding steady ever since and is not clearly declining in a way that's going to tank his career it's almost like uh well Blake Wheeler is suddenly working his way into this conversation too now but remember when Pavelski signed with Dallas seven million dollars three years and he started with a 38 point season and then uh, this year he's making five and a half million bargain for a point per game player next year he's gonna make three and a half million bargain for i'm gonna expect him to be a point per game player because like i said i've given up giving up on joe pavelski i imagine he's going to be worth every penny and then some
0: yeah, like as long as he's playing with Jason Robertson, like they clearly play well together. So at some point, I, I assume the coach will be like, I guess we need to, you know, not play Pavelski on the top line. Like, I'm not saying next year, but like one day it'll happen. And that's when I guess you could start maybe giving up on him once he's like a middle sixer. But like, you know, like a Ben or, or Sagan have become. Though Ben's it's been okay since he's been on the top power play. But yeah, for now, Pavelski is clearly uh, doing very well with the role he's been given. All right, next up, we'll go to the Seattle Kraken who have a lot of interesting players to talk about. In fact, so many interesting players that I think I need to warm myself up to uh, get to that point. So let's take a quick break. We'll be back soon to talk about the Kraken and all the other teams that are worse than the Kraken. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. All right, we are back Brian we're going to Jeremy Versillo's favorite team the Seattle Kraken who man like where should we start okay I guess Martin Jones they talked about him on the last short shifts and Jeremy like dropped the bomb on Lewis which is that Martin Jones has what is it now 21 wins in his 31 games like his record is just insane and it's like he, he only has an 895 save percentage on the season <laughs> somehow but still like is winning all the time which is very different from last year where Seattle was a team that barely scored now they're scoring they're have. They they, they almost broke a record, like the most wins in a row by like four or more on the road. I think I saw a tweet for like they're, they're a very exciting team. Must be a lot of fun to be a Kraken fan right now. Uh, Martin Jones clearly the starter now. It's not even a question over Grubauer. I feel kind of dumb. Like I dropped Jones when Grubauer came back from that injury, and you know he, Jones wasn't doing that well. And for the first week or so, I felt like that was fine. Like he and Grubauer were kind of kind of taking turns playing, and they, one of them would have to have a good game, but then the next time it would be a bad game. But uh, even with Jones having led in five goals and that last game against chicago Uh, seattle still won eight to five and uh, i don't know i I haven't checked like if it turned out to be positive a couple points for jones before that he had a couple shutouts so uh, who knows with this guy all i know is he's a starter and good for him because he's had a really like rough stretch of his career like that whole time with san jose right he kind of turned into like a joke with this terrible contract that San Jose ended up having to buy out after he kind of like tanked their chances year in year out um but uh good for him i don't know What is there to say?
1: (laughs) There's so much to say about Martin Jones. Are you kidding me? What's there to say about this guy who's had a terrible career, has left us with no hope that Martin Jones can accomplish anything, and now here he is? Uh, You know, Lewis and Jeremy shared all the eye-popping numbers from what Jones has accomplished on short shifts earlier this week. Jones has now won 18 of his last 22 decisions and just two regulation losses since October 29th something less eye popping and more eyebrow raising about Martin Jones is that with all these wins, Martin Jones is still sporting a 903 save percentage in this stretch. And that's actually a heavily front loaded save percentage. Like it was super hot for a couple weeks at the start of this, but by late November, Jones was cooling off hard and his row numbers are, are bad. Martin Jones, yeah, well, he's winning all these games, 879 in his last 16 appearances. And yet, He's won 12 of 14 decisions and just one regulation loss with that 879 save percentage. A couple shutouts this week against Montreal and Boston brought Martin Jones back to our attention if we'd forgotten about him. But those are counted, by the way, in that 879. Um, one thing about Martin Jones, though, that I didn't expect to see is that he's been amazing at five on five. Like he's actually been really good at five on five up there with Allmark and Swayman. Um But where he's really suffering, and the reason for this 879, despite winning 12 of 14, is uh, on the penalty kill. He's just getting wrecked on the penalty kill. Like we've mentioned, a few other goalies this year have for a while. But thankfully... Jones plays for the league's highest converting team, Uh, Seattle's shooting percentage rounds to 13% in all situations. That's real high. And they are the second highest scoring team in the NHL behind only Buffalo and ahead of Boston. And one, it's really funny the way the Kraken have done this. They've had different scoring leaders. I think uh, Allison L tweeted this out and I retweeted it. Uh, The Kraken have had a different scoring leader for every 10 game segment. Of the season, and like not just leader, but also like the the leaderboard. Like at one point, you know it's Jaden Schwartz. Another point, it's it's eberly Another point, it's Gord. Donato was in the mix at some point too. Got to be it,
0: Beniers now, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, Beniers, Tolvanen, even you know Bjorkstrand's coming alive. So get Martin Jones for the wins, swallow the blowups until things on the penalty kill normalize, and then you might have a good goalie on a good team. It's really, I did not expect to say this about Martin Jones, but holy cow, Elon, we're here. I w- I'm very curious to see how long he can keep this up.
0: Yeah. I don't know what the fantasy advice is here. Andy said in the chat, like, I want 0% of uh, Jones. Like, he's just not interested. And like, uh, I don't. I don't blame him but at this point i kind of wish i held on right so uh, but yeah you you mentioned so many players like yeah i want to talk about some hot players on, on seattle but like brian i just like looked at just arbitrarily over the past two weeks there's been eight games for the kraken and I, I i set a threshold of six points how many players on the kraken do you think have at least six points in the last eight games like 14 <laughs> it's 12 <laughs> i'm so close <laughs> yeah wenberg Bjorkstrand, Justin Schultz, uh, Schwartz all have six points. Then Sprong, Tolvenin have seven points in, in eight games again. And then ab- above a point per game or at, Jared McCann, Everly Burakovsky, Gurd, Veneers. And Vince Dunn tops the list, 12 points in his last eight games. So, Brian, let's start with Dunn. I want to talk about Dunn and I want to talk about Tolvenin, okay? But I could have picked, like, any two of these guys. Uh, but they're the most interesting just because they're players that we've been very down on at times or some people have at least and Vince Dunn Brian I know last year going into the season you were like a big like Dunn guy you were saying I think this is such a great opportunity for him you know leaving St. Louis and now he's going to have a chance to be on the top power play and this and, you know it didn't really work out it was kind of like a, he was in free agency in a lot of leagues for a lot of last season and so you must be feeling good now like how does it feel when you make a call and you were like wrong but like eventually you were right does it count like do you feel smart about this or is like the fact that you didn't say it again at the start of this year doesn't means that it doesn't count that you were right last year
1: I don't know I feel like this sums up my fantasy two years like all these guys who was I talking about it wasn't uh, I mentioned him in the same breath as Mikhail Granlin someone who you know I'd added and dropped disappointedly so many times that I'd given up adding and dropping him and then he he took off so sometimes I, I actually had this question later in the show like it's not good to be a little early because then you're early, so it doesn't help you. And then you think you're wrong, and then you don't forgive the guy. So, uh, personally, for my own fantasy teams, it's not great. But I guess your question was overall, I guess I feel a little vindicated. Like, this is, it's good. It's good. I wasn't, I wasn't so wrong, was I?
0: You were, uh, very correct. Right now, I'd love to get Vince up. So I guess, are oh, yeah. we also saying but that you, Vince Dunn is like, like we're, is this for real? Like do we, He's on a 61-point yeah. pace. Do you think he's going to keep that up rest of the year?
1: No, I don't. So I don't even know no. that I was that right about Vince Dunn, actually. I was, just, <laughs> I was just trying to answer the philosophical question first. But for Vince Dunn, who's suddenly on a 61-point pace, Dunn was on a 45-point pace through two and a half months of the season, going into late December, and 33 games already at 18 points, 54 shots in that span since December 30th. Dunn has 13 points in nine games, 18 shots only, uh, and three goals on those 18 shots. So he's taking a couple shots a game. That's not terrible, but he scored three times on them, which uh, leads us to realize that his shooting percentage at 12% at five on five too high. At five on five, he's been on the ice for this crazy Seattle offense. It's converting at least a little more often than they should be. Like I, I, I think honestly, they're probably a mid pack. Offensive team, actually. But lately, they've been scoring, like I said, with the Bostons and Buffaloes of the league. It's just crazy that that's, you know, where this is coming from. Not even power play time for Vince Dunn. This is all coming at five on five. Dunn is on pace for a good, but meh, 18 power play points despite having a regular power play quarterback role. But right now, Dunn is riding the Seattle shooting percentage bubble. Uh, I'd rather have him than Brett Pesci. I'd rather have Alex Petrangelo than Vince Dunn. How about that? Uh, for, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, that. well we do. I I figured you would. Uh, about 40, like 45 point pace the rest of the season is still what I've sort of got done for. Uh, maybe okay. maybe you can get to 50.
0: Here's what I'll say about Vince Dunn okay. in his favor for why he could do better even though his numbers are a bit like overperforming blah blah blah. Seattle is all of a sudden scoring like a million goals a game and sometimes like you know, it. it I guess it, it just comes down to how much for real you think like Seattle is in terms of if they're going to score five, six goals a game. I don't see why Vince Dunn can't get a goal or at least an assist in like almost yes. all of these games well, and but, be like a 60 plus point guy.
1: But Seattle's on this shooting percentage bender as a team. So I don't think they're going to be scoring five or six goals a game. I, I like the whole team's offense is unsustainable and Dunn's been getting in on more of that than he should and there's been a lot more of the offense than there should be so I think put that all together and we are just seeing a really hot run right now from all of Seattle and Vince Dunn has been along for the ride
0: Okay, yeah, and then let's bring up Ellie Tovenin, Another player actually who was dumped by his team unceremoniously, even even I guess just as badly as Vanacek, almost as badly as Bucinevich, who I haven't talked about yet. Uh, but so oh by the way, Nadjakovic got waved today. I guess I could wait for Detroit for this. I just got excited to talk about that. Because remember we used to like say like what was Carolina thinking? Just giving him away, and now it turns out maybe they knew what they were doing. But anyways, okay. We're gonna focus on Ellie Tolvanen who Nashville waived. They wouldn't play him in a in a good roster spot, even though he had like glimpses of showing us that he could be useful and now he's been very useful for Seattle, right? He's been getting decent minutes. He's playing on a line with Bjorkstrand and Yanni Gourd, which has been a successful line. He's also getting power play time. And he scored a couple of these goals on the power play. Uh, so I added Tolvanen in my couple division uh, earlier this week, like as a stream, and then he got a point for me. And I I don't know, for now, he feels like a hold. Like, I don't know. I just kind of think that at least while Seattle is like scoring all these goals, you're saying it's going to drop at some point, And I guess that'll drop up a bit for Tolvanen. I'm not saying he's point per game, but he's also great for hits. Uh, he shoots it okay amount i guess i don't know I'm, I'm excited about him so i think people should be checking to see if he's available in their free agency
1: that you definitely should like you have to add ellie tolvanen with how hot he is right now and like new situation new, like you've got to. I think you just kind of have to start fresh with ellie tolvanen and this is a, a great place to start it i assume he's already snapped up in a lot of leagues uh part of the seattle draft like to put it in numbers again they've scored 41 times in their last eight games and are shooting 18 percent in that stretch. And Ellie Tolvanen has been a big part of converting to that shooting percentage. In all situations, Tolvanen has five goals on 17 shots. If you break it down, he's shooting 25% at five on five, even higher on the power play and has been on the ice while Seattle scores on 17% of the shots they take. So Tolvanen's going to cool but sure, yeah, go get him. His rates are similar as they were in Nashville, like for shooting and expected goals. But he is seeing three more minutes a night of ice time at five on five. And there's a hint of a bigger power play role. And Tolvanen hits, too. So, yeah, I think you do go get Eli Tolvanen until things calm down. And maybe they won't, Elon. Maybe you're right. I think they will. But even when they do calm down, we'll see I'm, what Tolvanen still that. has to offer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't exactly say that they won't cool down, but uh, they probably will. I think I said they will probably cool down a little bit. But, yeah, I, I agree with you, Brian. You're smart. Why would I disagree with you? Okay? Uh, you know what you're talking about. I, I just disagreed a little bit on Petrangelo, I guess. But what, what do I know? Shams is asking the here. where do you rank Tolvanen with Sprong and Bjorkstrand? I mean, who, who knows? Right? <laughs> I mean, all,
1: like, that's it. That's the answer. They're all, all these Seattle guys, and going back to that thing that you've had at different points later for every 10-game segment of the season— who freaking knows where the points are going? Like I have chased Kraken all season long. I've always been either a step ahead or a step behind of grabbing the guy who's about to go off. Like I've had Schwartz, I've had Everly, I've had Pure. I've had I've had so many Seattle Kraken rotate through my roster but never the right guy at the right time. So I would say, you know, if you can diversify and grab a couple and see who hits, then go for it. But I don't see any like clear difference to me aside from you know, there is some ice time differences between Sprung and Bjorkstrand and Tolvanen. So I would just look to the guy, I'd rank them in order of best deployment.
0: Right, well, Tolvanen and Bjorkstrand are both playing on the same line and power play. Bjorkstrand, by the way, good for him. Four points in his last three games, finally being worth the free price that Seattle paid to get him. Uh, And then Sprong just continues to produce from, like, what is it, line four? Like, he only played... Yeah, Sprong is the one I guess I believe in the least just because, like you said, his deployment is the worst and even strength, but also he keeps producing and, like, taking shots, too. So I I feel like all three are are very interesting and it becomes close to a, a dice roll i think maybe brian's advice is best get a couple seattle plays four times next week right so get a couple you'll probably be able to get at least a couple of their games i guess depending on if you're full on that thursday saturday which you might be get the monday tuesday reassess after that um sorry shams i don't know my gut says uh tolvanen but maybe that's just because he's the guy who i prepped for this show so he's the most on my mind right now and the one i have on on my couple team uh let's go down to the la kings who have 56 points also same as seattle they've played a few more games though why did LA Brian play Jonathan Quick versus New Jersey on Saturday? Like to me, like did they just decide like, well, we're probably going to lose to New Jersey anyway, so let's just let Copley have a rest? Like they were on a 3-game winning streak. Things were going so well. You're against one of the top teams in the league, so let's not play like one of the hottest goalies in the league to try to compete even though we have an off day on Sunday. It I don't know, makes no sense. You sound Obviously, like the- somebody
1: who has Copley on his roster and lost yeah. the game.
0: Very frustrating. Well, I mean, I got zero points in the game, but uh, I don't know. It was just a f- frustrating choice for uh, you know LA to make for me as someone who has Copley, but I'm sure for any Kings fan, I'd love to hear an answer about what was the reason for that. Quick, is he's done. He, he's not done, done, but he's like a backup now. Like, play him on a back-to-back. Come on. It's obvious. Like, by the way, uh, I had a disagreement with someone on Twitter. Not even a disagreement. Like, I actually believed what he said. Like, basically, uh, I, I guess on one podcast episode, I was insulting the quality of any league where Copley is still in free agency um i don't know i still kind of believe that i would think less of your league if you told me that you're in a league where copley is still in free agency because he's playing almost every game except for when la i guess plays against new jersey in in a very what could be a very close exciting game uh but anyway yeah he's he's great i I mean i don't want to just like keep beating the horse on Copley at this point like maybe he'll fall off at some point it's always possible but why not like he should just be rostered i'm sure in, in everyone who's listening he's rostered i'd imagine
1: I, I think so in most competitive leagues. Like you need, like the guy is starting, he's winning, he's playing well. He started 12 of the last 14, Elon, but maybe the limit here is five games. Like that's when, like he's, st- Copley started five games uh, through December and into, Gen- or no, just through December and then Quick took a start, but it was also on a back-to-back. So that was like a little rest for Copley. And then Copley started two, then Quick one, and then Copley had another five But this one wasn't a back to back. So maybe L.A. is just like five games is what we want Phoenix to play. And then he can take a little rest. And that's that's all that happened here. Just keep an eye out on that sixth every sixth game. If you're a Copley manager (laughs) to just have a contingency plan in place in case that's the pattern here. But yeah, I think uh, I, I would be surprised to have Copley available in any league where I'm trying hard to win. Like if he's not on someone else's roster, then he'd be on mine.
0: Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Adrian Campay is hot again. Five points in his last three games. People were so nervous about him a little while ago. I feel like we did say on the podcast that there's probably a ceiling there. But I mean, at the same time, he is like on the top line of power play with Kopitar. I guess it's just like if Kopitar going, probably Campe will be going. And Kopitar also was cold for a while. So I think from now on, if anyone asks us if, you know, we should be nervous about Campe, if he goes on a cold streak, I'm just going to say, like, forget about that question. And then I'll ask you, are we worried about Kopitar? And if you say yes, then I'll say, OK, then, you know, copy over the answer for Kempe because they're both doing well now by the way Quinton Byfield was on the top line though I believe I saw something about how he was uh bumped off there for a little bit in that last game yeah uh so Fiala went to play a little bit with Kopitar and Kempe and then Quinton Byfield went to play with like Velarde and someone's so, I don't know watch those Kings lines Byfield is interesting if he is playing over up with Kopitar uh Fiala is interesting no matter who he plays with he's just great regardless if he's in the top six bottom six doesn't matter
1: uh, yeah, for sure. Like Byfield, even on the top line, he's he's still pretty boring. At least he's been shooting a little more lately. But uh yeah, I like he's not someone even with that deployment that I'm that interested in rostering. I would, of course I mean it's a silly thing to say. I'd rather have Fiala regardless of where he's playing in the lineup. I'm not panicking thinking, oh no, byfield's gonna take Fiala's value. No, I think Fiala's gonna be fine, and Byfield might do something. He has the opportunity to do something. It's nice to see Kempe back on track too with some big shots. But as we've mentioned with Kempe before, like his margins are razor thin, right? So when things aren't going as expected for Kempe, then you're disappointed. And that's basically the difference between you liking Kempe and you not. Everything's going normally or something's just a little bit off. And that's the latter has been the way Kempe's season has been uh, for much of the year to date. But it's nice to see, you know, he had eight shots against Edmonton, three points in that game. Hopefully this is the start of a nice little... Run for Adrian Kempe, but I also at the same time I'm not endorsing and saying it's a sure thing. Like he's not, he's still not a guy. I'd be really excited to roster the rest of the season. Maybe this is a moment where you can shop him around and see what you can get back.
0: Yeah, you know what? If someone was shopping him around, I I might bite. Like I mean, obviously it depends on the cost, but I'm a sucker. Like give me a guy who shoots and is on the top line, top power play. Like you know, I I know that he's gone cold before, so it could happen again. But I, I like the spot that he's in. Okay, Tampa Bay is next with 55 points. I literally have nothing to say about Tampa Bay. They're the same as they've been like all season long. Hagel's on the top line. Like Stamkos is playing with Sorelli and Kill Lawrence. So they're sometimes okay. Kucherov and Point are both like going not so crazy lately. Vasilevsky's very good. Hedman is good. Like Sergachev's good. I don't know. I have nothing, Brian. So Some, we can move on with Sounds, sounds you like you covered something. it. Yeah. Uh, Rangers, 55 points. Uh, they played today against Montreal and they lost 2-1. to one. What's going on there, New York? Uh, I guess they got Montembeau. He's been so good lately. Well, we're going to have to wait a while. It's going to be the end of part two of episode two when we uh, finally get to Montreal. But uh, I guess they've climbed up a little bit with a win over the Rangers today. Um, as far as what to talk about on New York, I guess, first of all, Ke'Andre Miller is hot again. He's, he's on a good run. He was dropped in a couple of my leagues, but another assist today. Uh, so... I don't know. He, he, it's, this is a point now where people have to rush to grab him, right? Like, uh, uh, like, pause the pod and go get country Miller if he's actually still available for agency, which is probably not the case, especially in a bankers <laughs> league because he also help, okay. helps with the hits and blocks. Sure. He's, yeah. He's yeah, that
1: that's good. For Kandre Miller, if if the if the hits help. But I think we've said this before, Elon. And last time I said I didn't think Miller was for real. And then he scored again the game after that. And I wondered, but then Kandre Miller went really cold and wasn't doing anything offensively for a long time. And even with sure. this run, Miller is now on a forty four point pace for the season, which is uh not great. It's better than what Severson has gotten himself on. But yeah, I think
0: is is Miller not one of these like ding ding better than so. Pesci and Slavin?
1: I don't think I well yes yeah I will go better than Pesci and Slavin or at least same tier now I'll take Shay ahead of Miller
0: Wow, I, wow, okay. I I think Miller is kind of It's kind of funny. I saw a tweet today about how, and I'm I'm not crediting any of these tweets, so I apologize to the good tweeters that I follow over at the Game Day Lines account. Uh, But uh, like, all everyone is like pulling their hair out about Lafreniere not developing or not being developed as properly as he should be in New York. Like, under the radar, Keandre Miller is turning into like a star in the league. And like, he's being developed perfectly, I guess. Yeah, he's now up to eight points in his last six games after this assist, only 22 years old, playing huge minutes. Um, Rangers are like, you know, very lucky. They have him and Adam Fox, two great young defensemen and Jacob Trouba. Uh, they just needed to score more than one goal against Montreal. But I'm surprised that you're not so into Keandre Miller. It's just because he was cold before. Like, and that's kind of like, is that your summary of why you don't think this hot streak will last? Or is there something about this hot streak that's especially like alarming to you?
1: No, I don't think that this is the way that we expect Miller to produce all season long, right? We're not going to get so excited because we've seen this a short burst of production from him like coming into this, like you said, eight points in his last six games. You take that away from his totals And he had 16 points in 38 games. That's less than a half point per game over his career so far. And yeah, he's young, right? This is his age. He's going to turn 23 in about a week. So, uh, But so far, he's been like a 20 to 25 point defenseman in the NHL. And yes, growing. Yes, roles increasing. And and I think he's talented. I think he's a really great top four piece at least. But I just don't know that he's ever had a, a terribly offensive edit or inclination to him and that's why i'm i'm a little i'm a little cool to him i think this is a nice run and like pesci yeah maybe i'll go p- pick up keandre miller ahead of brett pesci if he's available to me and ride this out rather than ride out what brett pesci doing but i still think you are riding it out and that it's going to be over before
0: too long interesting okay i guess we'll have to wait and see i guess it's always tricky with these situations this could also be just us seeing a breakout you know that's never gonna slow down but right
1: well that's that's the big concern right so if you want to go and and risk you're right Elon and so the, the prudent thing when when you say that it's like oh yeah I should just go get him and see what happens and think that yeah like if it works out great and if not I'll just cut my losses you're right Elon maybe I should be a little more excited because we don't know what we could expect from him I'm just not seeing like a big part of this run he's on has been th- he's scored three goals but those three goals have come on like 13 shots right right i see
0: yeah okay fair fair yeah. fair fair but he, he was a first round pick back in 2018 but okay let's move on okay uh, by the way another first round pick first overall which, like i said everyone's talking about so Kreider injured lafreniere has gotten a chance on the top line and the top power play with Zabanajad, and just nothing like a, a pointless game. I, I mentioned him in the the matchup. I keep even forgetting the name of my own podcast, matchup maximizer uh, as like someone, I guess you could stream because Rangers have a remember Brian that we named this, the wraparound uh, stream where he plays Sunday and Monday. So you can get both the game to help you today and also the first game next week. Uh, So that could have been appealing. I'm pretty sure I said that I'm not feeling him that much. At least I hope I said that. Because, yeah, he's just not producing, even with this good deployment, no points, no shots today. So anyone who streamed him in probably now is like, I guess I'll hold for tomorrow. But you're, like, doing it reluctantly. And I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't, you know, get a point again.
1: Yeah, such a bummer for Alex Lafreniere that we're not seeing anything from I feel like, and I've been seeing all those tweets, Elon, that you referenced, too, saying, like, this is not how you develop a, a top pick prospect like you you bring them in you give them tons of opportunity you let them do their thing that's always worked well for them and the, the both coaches that Lafrené's had in New York first David Quinn and now Gerard Gallant are like trying to like shape and mold and teach him to do things differently and take or like really limit his opportunities until he's earned them or whatever we don't see top picks developed this way very often And it seems at this point like yeah, maybe damage has been done here. How many different roles has Lafreniere been asked to play? How much has he been asked to change his game? I don't know. I, like we're not we're not at bust territory yet, and it's I don't even know. You know, I, I just I don't know, Elon. I'm wondering if we're starting to get into Yakupov territory here. Like maybe that's a lazy comp, and the only thing in common is that neither what like both were so highly touted going into their drafts and then they've shown nothing in the early parts of their career and maybe it's a la- so feel free to call me out if that's too lazy a comparison but that's the road that Lafreniere is on so far there's only a few roads that top picks go and right now he's more on the Yakupov road than the more successful road
0: <laughs> I mean Yakupov had a 53 point pace in his first season Lafreniere's yeah. never even done that yeah so, there you go I don't think it's lazy and also I feel like it's easy, obviously, to blame the team and say, oh, you didn't develop him right. Like, he might also just take some blame also. But what I? I'm not a huge Rangers fan. We'll, we'll have to get Ben to come on at some point. And, I mean, uh, give us the everything. Of yeah,
1: I'd love that. I'd love to hear what Ben has to say. And, and every Rangers watcher and knower that I follow seems to be placing the blame squarely on the team. Like, of course, we don't know if they did things differently. Would it have worked out? But I think not having had the opportunity to see, okay, if we just let the guy play and do what people do with top picks, then maybe we'd have a different player today because whatever we did hasn't worked. So it's pretty easy to say, like, you should have figured it out, team. We're supposed to have a
0: better player by now well maybe i don't know but either way the rangers uh didn't couldn't score goals today maybe if they had lafreniere and kako also by the way you know producing as people were expecting when they were drafted maybe they would have been able to get a few past uh, sam montembeau and uh, next up we've got the minnesota wild 52 points um they're kind of like tampa to me like i feel like at this point we've said everything there is to say in previous episodes there's nothing new sam Steele continues to center the top line continues to be worth holding and minnesota doesn't even have a great schedule next week i would hold sam Steele. uh ryan hartman is i don't know i don't have. A, we talked last week for a bunch about Kalen addison
1: yeah we should I, I added a, him live on the show and that was yeah, it. maybe at
0: this point let's just never talk about him again i, it's like, I would so love boring.
1: well that's where i was before last show and then i got worked up during the episode i added him and uh the way i used that ad that could be one reason i lose a, a razor thin close week so what a what a disappointment
0: yeah, he had a power play assist in the last game, but I don't even want to get into it. it but like, like did matter. he Before do anything point, else? Three. Two shots, oh. A block. Oh,
1: wow. That's not bad. That's, that's, a, not a, terrible that's a full game. score sheet for Caelan Addison. <laughs> yeah. now, now he'll do nothing for a few games. Take a, take a break.
0: All right, so Brian we've still got a bunch of teams to go through as we get to uh, the, you know, teams that are less likely to make the playoffs, I guess. So we've got some teams that are kind of surprising that we haven't even mentioned yet. We haven't even mentioned the uh, reigning Stanley Cup champions yet as we go down this list. So we'll get to that team and all the others in part two of this mega episode so I hope everyone's been enjoying the show so far uh, it, obviously if you have any opinions about anything we're saying we'd love to hear your thoughts you know if you're on the, our discord over in the episode discussion channel or you could tweet at us at, on twitter at keeping carlson you'll be uh, yeah I'm always interested to hear if people think we got something right or wrong team Team Brian or team Elon on whatever we happen to be disagreeing on though generally I, I try to make it my you know mission to disagree with what Brian says I think that's a way to be successful um, but yeah And uh, if you're unsure, like, oh, no, this is over. How am I going to get the next episode? Where do I find it? What was this matchup maximizer? How do I get that? Look, you subscribe to the podcast, okay? We'd love for you to subscribe to Keeping Carlson on wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're not getting your podcast anywhere and you somehow found this episode by just a link, uh, go on, you know, Apple Podcasts, whatever, Spotify. I use Pocket Casts. Subscribe. Get your episodes auto-downloaded. And, you know, we really appreciate it. And also you make sure that you get the episodes right away, including part two, which should already be sitting in your feed. So we will see you there.